How is it possible that two of Oklahoma's youngest rising political stars be on opposite sides of the aisle, but on the same page frequently? I'm Garland McWaters, and this is the Spirit of Leading Podcast. In November of 2018, Republican Daniel Pay of House District 62 in Comanche County, Lawton area, was sworn in as the youngest member of the Oklahoma House of Representatives in that session. And Democrat A.J. Pittman of Oklahoma City's House District 99 was sworn in as the first millennial generation female to be elected to the State House of Representatives. I interviewed each of them separately on the Spirit of Leading podcast soon after their first swearing-in ceremony. And both of them were returned to the House for a third term, both unopposed. That means they're doing a good job, right? That's right. You're right. They're here together for this episode of the Spirit of Leading podcast as leaders in the bipartisan movement to heal the political divides in our state and in our national political discourse. Representative Pittman, Representative Pay, welcome back to the Spirit of Leading podcast. Thank you for having us. This time together. That's right. That's yeah. right. Oh, I thought, what a great idea to, I got to talk to you individually at the beginning of, uh, of your very, very first term before you'd actually had a day on the floor yet, you know, in session. Mm-hmm. And now here we are uh, going into your third session. And now I want to know, well, has, has the expectations that you had at that time, how have they, have they played out? Um, I feel like that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, because I grew up in the building, which we talked about in that podcast. It's no secret that my mom served before me. And a part of her tenure, the Democrats were in power. And then towards the end of her tenure, it was a little bit more balanced and then it became a supermajority. And then when I came in, I've only served in a supermajority. Like, I've only been a part of the minority here. So I don't have that experience of being on both sides of that. And so watching that grow up and then experience it now is a little bit different. The decorum is a little bit different. I think with term limits, a lot of the institutional knowledge is gone. Um, So I don't know if it's exactly like what I thought it was going to be because I think I pictured it how my mom served and um, it's not it's a different climate things are different she didn't really serve in an age of social media all of things are out in front they're loud they're public and so but it is the same where connectivity works communication works finding common ground still works. It's a little bit harder because things are hyper-polarized, a little bit different than they used to be. Um, And people come in thinking that it's gonna be like it is on national television and it's completely different than that. So I don't know if it's the same as what I thought it's gonna be, but there are some aspects that are very similar to how it was when when I was growing up in the building and then there's some that are drastically different. And so I think we are serving for such a time as this and it was meant for me to be in this time and in this space and in this legislature. Good, thank you. Representative Pay. Yeah, well, Garland Campbell, it's been five years since we last had the podcast, wow. and <laughs> yeah. much has happened, to say the least. Uh, we've had uh, tremendous discussions on a variety of policy issues. We, have, of course, had a global pandemic uh, that was still uh, trying to recover from in many ways mm-hmm. as a society. Uh, and to answer your question, uh, being in this position has reminded me of my time uh, in student government uh, at the University of Oklahoma. A lot of the dynamics are the same. You have various personalities and uh, the overall 
uh, process as far as trying to get things done is the same. If you have an idea, you got to work with other people. You got to communicate. You have to build coalitions, and that's what I did uh, during my tenure as SJ president, and now as a state representative. That's the same attitude and approach I have uh, when it comes to this job. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to mentor uh, young rising leaders, whether through the high school page program or th through the OU Capital Scholars program. I've had various pages and interns, and all that have been successful and intellectually curious about uh, this building here and what it takes to be an effective legislator. Uh, and I, I, you know, one of these days, one of them will probably uh, run for office. And uh, once I'm old and in a retirement home, uh, take over for me. Uh, but it's important that we uh, empower those types of leaders who want to serve in our mm -hmm. positions. Because uh, at, at one point, we were in their shoes. Yes. And I, I tell it to every intern who comes by the office uh, is that I was in, in the exact same program you were in. And I know uh, what it's like being in that stage of life where there's so much uncertainty about what, what happens next. Uh, so I try to give back in, in that way. Um, and it's been fun just from the policymaking perspective about trying to work with other people, people like Representative Pittman here uh, through the Future Caucus and what we're trying to do there. Um, so it's been, it's hard to believe it's been five years. It's gone by so quickly. Yeah, right. And uh, I mean, we're halfway through the 12 year constitutional term limit. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's been quite the ride. It's interesting that how time does fly when you're involved in the process itself. You know, you think, oh well, I got all kinds of time. But the next thing you know, you're on the out, you know, the, you're on the other side of the halfway mark, and uh, it just goes by so quickly. And you wish maybe, boy, you, you had had a little bit more time to get some things done, and mm -hmm. and legacy becomes, you know, and, and succession becomes a big, a Absolutely. big issue at that time. Well, uh, the focus of the podcast this time was that uh, the future caucus aspect of it, because you both talked about the grand scheme that you had, or at least the grand wish that you had, of a more collaborative environment. And I remember, mm -hmm. Daniel, one of the things that immediately impressed me early on is when you told the story about draw the lottery drawing, uh, mm -hmm. drawing to, uh, for the office space, mm -hmm. and you had a really good number, so you got an early pick, right. but you picked your first year uh, on the floor with the Democrats. That's correct. So t how'd that work out? Were you well received by them at that time? Uh, yeah, I, I think it was a friendly floor and uh, I had a, a really good session there. Um, and in terms of that foundation of relationship building, mm -hmm. um, I thought it was critical to build friendships across the aisle. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I've said this to you and to many of my uh, close friends. Uh, I, I don't really consider, uh, you know, if it's a Democrat idea or a Republican idea, like a good idea is a good idea, right, right. regardless of who proposes it. And if we can work together and trying to move the state forward, uh, that's all that matters. Absolutely. Uh, so it, it was a great, as far as being a freshman member, being on that floor, uh, it, it was quite a few stairs to take every morning, <laughs> I will say. Uh, but uh, I think that the friendships that I gained from that experience uh, was absolutely worth it. Right. Well, good. I just thought that was a very uh, noble approach to take because he wanted to be where uh, you know people who had a different political orientation that, that you have would be and so you could get to, under, to understand them and work with them and so forth I really appreciated that perspective we have lived in a highly partisan uh, environment the last few years. And of course, you, know, you can look at me and say that I've been around a while, <laughs> and I, I remember the days when I first became uh, active politically uh, in Oklahoma. It was the other way. It was all Democrats and almost no Republicans anywhere. And over time, you know, that's changed. And so I can see the, the, the supermajorities on both ways. And, and the political environment itself began changing 
you know, when y'all were small. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and things started getting heated up and more divisive and things of that nature. And now we're kind of at this place that everybody's going, really? Do we really have to do this? And, uh, and, and so how, have you, how are you working specifically to try and get past that, that partisan divide to get things more collaborative and have more good discussions about important issues? I think that's a part of it, right? The view of the people and the media playing a role in it. And I think all of those combinations of things, the press releases, the people think that there is no collaboration. From the outside looking in, people think that we don't laugh together, or that we don't play, or that we don't joke. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. Are there heated discussions? Are there issues that we can be polar opposites on? Wholeheartedly, absolutely. But are there some good times just among people and humans? And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've seen while being elected in this hyperpolarization environment is that people automatically dehumanize you when you get a title. They automatically expect for you to be oh, you're red and oh, you're blue. Well, what if I'm a shade of red and it becomes burgundy? What if I'm a shade of teal or Tiffany blue or light blue? Like those all, we're all people and we come with different experiences. We come with different voices. It's a melting pot. I call it the all-star game. You, we are all all-stars elected from our communities, from our districts coming up here to be a part of something. And yes, you have to vie for those votes. And if I don't agree with my mom and my best friend, then why is it the assumption that I'm supposed to agree with someone else on the other side, or even in my own party, all 100% of the time? That's just not realistic. And if we really looked at it like that more often and really set ourselves back and said, well, yeah, no, I'm not gonna agree with you all the time, but can we respect each other? Can we find common ground? What can we agree on? And I think that's the perspective that I've always taken it from, and that's why we work together. I've always been someone, even today, um, I have a bill coming up on the floor, and I talk to every member on that floor that was in their seat at the time. But <laughs> I'm going to go to every desk on all 82 of the Republican side, on all 20 on our side. like. I'm gonna go to every desk because they're all individual people with individual minds, with individual communities and with individual districts that they have to represent. And that can make the difference in the support for your bill. It may not just because they're red or blue, it could be their background in something. What happened to them as a child? What happened to a family member? We often take that away when you step into this building and you sit on a specific side of the aisle. And I think we have to put that back in in order to do more work. And so one of the things that we do here and what we have done nationally is really work with the Millennial Action Project, which is a national organization that works to develop bipartisan relationships of millennials that have ran for office. And myself and Representative Pei have been engaged and been involved in that. Um, and now we have carried that into the Oklahoma Future Caucus that was founded in 2020 during the heart of COVID. We do have to set the tone that as young people who will see these bills carry out, right? Who will be receive the services or receive the repercussions of these bills that are being put into law now with our families and our uh, legacy, that it behooves us to come together to say, 
what is a better future for Oklahoma? Right. What is a better future for our legacy? What is a better future for the next generation? And how can we do that together without the hatred, without the hyperpolarization? Uh, Representative Pei, how, how has this uh, interest that you have in that project played out among your own contemporaries and the people that you uh, engage with every day? Yeah, well, I, I've told people about this session in particular, it feels like I'm a character in a sitcom, and you have so many different uh, personalities mm -hmm. you have to maneuver, uh, but that's what keeps it fun. And so I always try to look for, because I'm a big pop culture guy, and I'm a foodie, and so like, uh, for example, The Last of Us, the season finale aired last night, so I'm just talking to folks about that. Uh, I was trying to find favorite TV shows we have in common. Um, we're all here in Oklahoma City four months out of the year, so I always like to explore what are the best restaurants and bars to go to. I actually have a spreadsheet uh, that I'm working on. Uh, so it's things like that, that you can get to know each other as human beings, first and foremost, uh, before you get into the politics. Uh, that sets the, the, the foundation for success when you're working on different legislation. And like Representative Pittman, I also enjoy uh, talking to anyone and everyone about my, my bills, uh, whether that's in committee or on the floor. But I think every voice matters. Every one of us are duly elected by our respective constituencies. We all knocked doors, we all campaigned uh, to serve in this position. So I respect the office and the people who hold the office. And uh, I've had bills where I listened to feedback and uh, accepted some friendly amendments and it made the legislation better, in my opinion. Um, so I don't really feel like I know everything and that all my bills are perfect. I'm always open-minded about any ideas that people have to make uh, my bills better. Um, and I think that's part of the, the beauty of our democratic republic is that we're all in this together. Um, and with the Future Caucus, uh, we have a tremendous bench of talent um, mm -hmm. in, this, uh, in this body, both in the House and the Senate. And so it's been really cool again to network and uh, bring everyone together for we had a, um, a breakfast uh, event. We've had uh, an event with uh, uh, cookies. Uh, so like I said, we, we enjoy every, every, every millennial <laughs> likes free food and free drinks. Yes. So we try to cater to that appeal. Uh, and then we'll have a lunch and learn coming next month and then um, some other fun events uh, as well before session ends. Um, but uh, tapping into the national uh, network with Millennial Action Project. And we were in uh, Denver uh, last summer for the Future Summit. So that's all the young legislators from across the country, uh, Democrats and Republicans. Mm -hmm. uh, that was refreshing uh, to meet so many people from all sorts of backgrounds, uh, just as passionate as we are yeah. about trying to impact uh, and make change happen at the state level. And, and that's what impressed me. I picked up on the, uh, the project, oh, maybe a couple of years ago, I guess, and uh, just uh, searching around for collaborative kinds of political movements and things. And, and uh, when I saw that come across, I immediately joined. <laughs> I said joint remember, so I did. And I, and I sent uh, some information in to uh, be involved in a podcast, a, a, a webinar or something. I forget what it was. And then they emailed me back and says, oh, but you're not an elected representative, so you can't really get in on this group, <laughs> but we want you to know about us. And yeah. I said, well, I'm fine with that. You know? So I, in fact, I didn't realize it was only legislators only at that time. And then uh, your names popped up along the way with the Future Caucus, and I saw, the, uh, I saw the connection. I thought, well, we've got these young people here. I know these young people. I know these young legislators. And so uh, I was real excited to see how you all were tapped to get involved with that. Now, how did you originally get involved with the uh, Millennial Action Project and the, and the Future Caucus here? So the um, 
Millennial Action Project reached out my first year of being elected. It was my first national panel. When they had their conference, their National Future Summit in um, Nashville, there was a young lady named Sharice Eaton, um, who is now deceased, but we received her award in December um, for the Future Caucus and the Spirit of Leadership. And so it's one of those things where she reached out and she said, you gotta come, your voice is powerful, you're dealing with hyperpolarization. you're in a super minority, people need to know how you navigate that. People need to hear how you navigate that. So she brought me on board and I was able to learn that they had national caucuses of bipartisan members that were millennials. They had a congressional future caucus, mm -hmm. which is where they started in Congress at the federal level, at the top, to start working there. And as we've seen throughout the country, more and more young people are getting elected. And so I originally got involved that first year, that 2019, um, summer of 2019, and been involved ever since. And then at the peak of COVID, <laughs> um, we launched the 30th Future Caucus. Myself, um, Representative Judge Strom, Rep uh, Senator John Michael Montgomery, as well as Senator Carrie Hicks, who are my other founder members, my other founding co-chairs. And we launched their 30th caucus, um, had a press conference on the steps to talk about why it was important and why it was important during COVID, during that um, national crisis during that national pandemic for people to come together from both sides of the aisle to talk about health care, to talk about criminal justice reform, to talk about education, to talk about brain drain, to talk about retaining talent, all of the things that we were going to face on the other side of the pandemic was so important to get a group of passionate young people from different sides of the aisle to the table to start discussing it. And so we launched it then, and we had different events, different happy hours, different lunch and learns that we're also gonna be hosting as well. And we were able to continue that on. And now we've transitioned to new leadership, um, adding my, my representative, Daniel Pei, um, as well as Senator jo Joanna Dossett from the Senate replacing mm -hmm. Senator Carrie Hicks. And so John Michael and myself stayed on so we could have a continuation of leadership um, and structure. But we're excited to continue to pass that torch and continue to talk about it. And the Millennial Action Project does a great job of giving us resources, including us on the webinars that you spoke of, having us host Instagram lives about different topics, and really being inclusive of people throughout the country. As like Representative Pay said, we have people from Vermont that have a caucus. Connecticut, if you think about it, they're starting one in Alabama. Um, they're working on one in Tennessee. There's so many places that you don't realize young people are being elected, they have a voice, and they wanna share their opinion and work together. very encouraging to hear and I, I'm, I'm eager to see how that spreads in Oklahoma and I hope it really takes hold and grows. What interests me about this is that uh, we're trying to get our young people more directly involved mm -hmm. in participating mm -hmm. as voters and possible candidates uh, down the road and so forth and I'm sure uh, that you have your ear to the ground as you talk to younger younger constituents you know out in the out in your uh, town halls and so forth. What are you hearing? Are you hearing more uh, more interest and more eagerness to be a part of 
of uh, the political process, or what do you impact you think you're having there? Yeah, I, I absolutely think there's definitely more interest uh, in young people getting involved in the political process. And um, I, I remember my first session had a number of people come up and just ask, like, how'd you do it? Like, you know, I, I'm, in, I'm in college, I'm about to graduate, uh, and I want to move for your office. What, what did you have to do? And so I explained, like, it just comes down to knocking on doors, uh, having a positive attitude, and wanting to serve your um, community. Um, and then before we, uh, we got here, you have people like uh, Kyle Hilbert, Avery Fricks, and uh, John Malcolm Montgomery was my predecessor in this house seat, and I consider him a close friend. Um, and now he's over in the, in the Senate. So you had already before us uh, many young leaders uh, yeah. being yeah. trailblazers, and now you have even more young people uh, involved in the political system. And uh, Representative Arturo Alonso, uh, he is yeah. now the youngest uh, state legislator. Mm -hmm. I, I had to pass on that title. I've, I've grown <laughs> old, I guess, got some gray hair. And so he's now the youngest uh, legislator, and it's been awesome to see him get started. And he's asked uh, a bunch of great questions to yes. me, and I've helped him as far as mentoring is concerned, making sure he's um, getting accustomed to the uh, process. Um, and uh, I think he's got a good future in Oklahoma uh, politics. Uh, but in our positions right now, now that we're in our third terms, uh, it's incumbent upon us to make sure that uh, we're not the last uh, millennials yeah. elected right. to office. We've got to have make sure that it's even more, and now with Gen Z coming up, people like Representative uh, Alonzo, uh, making sure we, we support them. Because I think young people, like we've grown up amidst mm -hmm. this era of hyper uh, polarization and uh, you know, a global financial crisis, uh, the war on terror, and a global pandemic. Mm. Um, and we, I think as young people, we see uh, the bigger picture and the importance of trying to not think about the next election, but the next generation. What yeah. can we do uh, right now that's going to pay dividends uh, 50, 100 years from now? Um, and so I think that's been really, uh, really nice to see among young people, uh, both Democrat and Republican. And my great grandmother used to say something to me to Repay's point of you must plant seeds of trees whose shade you will never sit under. And I think our generation has really, really taken that mm -hmm. and ran with it and not, not to discredit other generations. <laughs> <laughs> um, they paved the way for us to be here, but I think our generation, millennials and Gen Zs are so innovative in how we do things. Mm -hmm. We are thinking outside of the box and we're not even like we're breaking the boxes and we want to bring in new innovative ideas. We want to figure out how to work smarter, not harder, but we are also healing. We talk about stuff that our parents and grandparents didn't talk about. We don't tiptoe around issues. I think we hit them head on and say, let's discuss them. Why is this an issue? Why is it not? We're bringing out the stuff that other older generations used to sweep up under the rug. Mm -hmm. Now we do have to work on our decorum. Um, and you still have to, you still have to play the game a little mm -hmm. bit. You do like, you can't break down a wall of a building that you're not in, you know? Um, oftentimes you hear people say, you're, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. You gotta be at the table. Mm -hmm. And so what does coming to the table look like instead of trying to blow up the table completely? Right. Yeah. They're active. You have one group that's very active, very engaged. And then you have a, a totally different group that doesn't think it applies to them, that think that we don't listen to them, that don't wanna come because of what they see on TV or they're not engaged or we're not talking about the things that mean something 
to them. So every time I talk to young people, I have interns, I try to make it about them and their social reality. Anywhere, if I'm talking to constituents, you have to make it about their social reality for them to feel bought in, for them to feel like they are a part of the process. So yeah, we make legislation about technology, about their cell phones, about their gaming systems, about gaming in the state. We make um, laws about school and education and athletes and sports athletes and collegiate athletes and we make laws about taxes and being able to buy homes and um, retaining talent here but also say hey everything we do from birth to death really affects your life and will affect your life so you have to come but giving them a place to come in not shunning them not saying oh you can't hear this oh you shouldn't be a part of this process really accepting them in I liken it to uh, being a fan of a sports team. The only people who can score points are the ones who are on the court or mm -hmm. <laughs> playing the game. Yeah. All you can do is holler and scream. <laughs> and yeah. as, uh, you can advocate or encourage or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever you want to do. Hollering at the ref doesn't, ha doesn't help. Uh, you know, and all the screaming and hollering you do is just screaming and hollering. Mm -hmm. And uh, that doesn't change necessarily the game itself. And, that's, and politics is not much different from that. Mm -hmm. We can advocate, we can holler, we can scream, we can complain, on and on and on, but it takes your legislators casting the vote yes. to make mm -hmm. the difference. That's the score. And where you get to have, a point, have a, a, an effect is you get to pick the legislators. Mm -hmm. And so that's where citizenship comes in, is saying, okay, I want to be informed about my legislator and what they're doing, and are they representing me, or, or, are, they, or are they at least eager, uh, willing to hear what I have to say mm -hmm. so that I know mm -hmm. my idea is at least kicking around in there someplace. And that's the, that's the way we work as a community and that's the way we make things better. Well, to that point, I, I completely agree. And it's with young people, it's getting them from the point of saying it on Twitter or TikTok to then going to knock doors for a candidate, mm -hmm. to then bringing that advocacy to the right. building, to then voting consistently, to then making sure that they are knowing who their elected officials are, to then saying, I'm going to donate. You know, I let young people know, hey, like that $25 you spent on lunch or happy hour or downloading a video game or app, that can you can donate another $25 to a candidate to make sure that they are that you are supporting people um, that value your voice and right. that vote your values. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing is making that connection to saying it is great to protest that is necessary but moving that protest into the building into mm -hmm. action into advocacy right. is that connection that we have to make for them our gen z our millennials are great at letting their voices be heard but also saying that's great and we have droves of people that go outside but only half of you come in the building advocating the way you're describing it and helping candidates and being part of that process is in the game yeah it's not just the people who actually get elected to office it's the people who show up and help them get elected to office and, and support them as candidates. That is being in the game because you're doing something. Mm -hmm. And when you go to the poll, that's the most adult thing you can do is go to the poll and cast a vote. Yeah, and, uh, and, and we need more people who are involved at the local and state levels. We just had a state question uh, last week mm -hmm. and turnout I think was about a quarter yeah. uh, percent. Uh, so I, I get Washington to see what happens in Congress and who the president is at any given time. 
uh, so a lot of people pay attention to, but who you're a city council member, you're a school board member, you're a state legislator, uh, these are profoundly impactful positions, right. mm -hmm. uh, not to mention local ballot initiatives and state questions. Uh, we get people more involved in paying attention to those types of things exactly, because uh, they do make a direct impact on what goes on in our everyday lives. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, also to that point, they think of the presidency as glamorous. Mm -hmm. They think of congressional members as like, oh my God, this popular person. Um, but they don't, I won't say people don't give us the same respect. They respect us, but I think they don't have that same reverence mm -hmm. for what we do. But we're the ones that are really closely connected right. to their everyday life and really getting them to understand like, okay, what do we have to do to make this glamorous? What do we have to do to make this fun? Or how do we get you engaged? I always tell people it's a contact sport. I don't know what you're thinking unless you share it. And I'm happy to send out a survey, but then people will say, oh, well, we don't hear from you. Well, how? I do podcasts, I'm on the radio, yeah. we're on the news, we're in newspapers, we send out emails. What way do you want me to contact you? You have to share that information right. and you have to respond when we do, not just during campaign season, but mm -hmm. year long, because we're asking those questions, trying to be engaged, but making sure people are responsive of that too. Right. I know I've received Daniel's email, and uh, and I'm always impressed how many people he is seeing during the during the week, you know, and places he's gone. And I thought, you know, that's what that's what uh, local political figures need mm -hmm. to be doing is being out, being visible, and being a part of the community. And say, hey, I'm here, I'm listening, and I'm encouraging people to uh, connect with me. I'm 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 accessible, and I think that's a rap that sometimes uh, that that uh, political leaders get at all levels is that they, you can't get to them. Yeah. You, can't, uh, you can't just show up and talk to them. It's, uh, there's a little bit of a, a barrier there, or, or perceived barrier at least. And so breaking down those barriers in various ways is a real important step, and it sounds like you're taking it. Yeah, and I think as young people, uh, we are very much accessible and laid back and, and chill, for lack of a better <laughs> description. Uh, I, you know, I, I talk to people at the gym when working out. I see them at Walmart or if I'm at the movie theater with some friends. Uh, you know, someone has a concern or a feedback. I always try to be mindful of that uh, and, and talk to them where, where, wherever they, they feel most comfortable. Um, even, you know, on social media, I've had people DM me and mm -hmm. uh, send me correspondence that way. And so uh, we got a plethora of ways to communicate nowadays and um, I think as young leaders we're mindful of that that fact and we just try to be as approachable as we can yeah. and so I think that's whenever I've campaigned that's the message I've emphasized to people is uh, as young leaders we got uh, the energy the excitement mm -hmm. um, and uh, the motivation uh, to effectively mm -hmm. do our jobs right mm -hmm. I think I, I differ in my opinion, just slightly, I agree we're energetic and I want to be accessible, but I want there to be healthy boundaries too. Right. Mm -hmm. Like going back to the dehumanization, people feel like when they give you your vote that they own you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the entitlement and the ownership that can get people in the weeds, right? Mm -hmm. And get the disrespect coming in that we see. Right. When we also have to be mindful of like, there's a boundary, someone has a life, someone has to go home, they have to take care of their mental health, they have to go get their groceries, mm -hmm. they have to exercise so their mental health is right. And so setting those healthy boundaries to say, I wanna be accessible, but you don't DM your doctor, 
and you don't DM your banker and you have those respect for those people. So if there's a process for my office of how I best can respond to you, please follow that process and know that it's not me not trying to be accessible, but knowing that I have 70 unread text messages. How many do you have? Uh, well it's, right. <laughs> and so knowing that yeah. we are doing the best that we can, we don't have a lot of staff. Right. So if I say email my office, don't DM me, I want to be able to get it and access it and make sure I remember it or retain it. And so having those aspects too, being accessible, yeah. but also saying, if I eventually want to start a family, how do I make sure I have that boundary already right. set in my life. Also knowing that our jobs are not always safe. We've seen what happened January 6th. We've seen people get hurt or people's lives be threatened or get nasty emails. I talk about the real things that happen in this lifestyle and as accessible as I want to be, I want to be safe too. Sure. And there are protocols and certain things in place to make sure that we maintain our safety because with the hyperpolarization has come violence. Has, and that's something that we have to discuss and talk about as we invite young people into the circle to say, hey, no, that's not fair and that's not okay to be violent against someone because their opinion is different and making sure we protect ourselves during that. And I would hope that would be one of the benefits of the efforts that you're, do, that you're undertaking is to show how we can be collaborative and respectful and work together even if they have very different ideas or points of view or beliefs or whatever about things. We can still have the conversation in a respectful, uh, positive way, yeah. and 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 once we sort of get that back, I think yeah. maybe some of this hyperactivity that uh, that we are seeing right now uh, may abate a little bit. I don't think it will ever go away, but it's entirely. But I think people, uh, you know, I, I'm always wondering, well, why are people so angry mm -hmm. all the time? And they're, they're angry because they're sort of stirred up to be angry and. And uh, if we can find a little something that helps calm that a little bit more, to say, no, you have access, you have, uh, have, have the confidence that we're really trying to work the best with your, mm -hmm. with your interests at heart and so forth, and we're doing things that matter, and they're important issues that we're talking about, and we're doing it, we're modeling it. Mm -hmm. uh, we're modeling it among ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if we're modeling it among ourselves, maybe the, the, uh, the uh, constituents out there might say, oh, well, well, maybe we don't have to act that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. I, th I think empathy, uh, it's a much needed mm -hmm. attribute we need in society nowadays. And uh, to AJ's point, certainly it can be really easy to get burned out in our positions. One, frankly, any young person in their 20s, you, you got so much pressure to try to yeah. advance your career, start a family, get married, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I'll be honest, there was some uh, nights where I was here till 7, 8 p.m. just yeah. trying to play catch up yeah. with everything that's going on right now during session. Uh, but I try to do a better job this session about trying to keep those boundaries and uh, leaving at a reasonable hour and trying to get some sleep <laughs> and self-care. Uh, self-care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to treat yourself. Right. You really do. And uh, I'm fortunate and grateful that I got a close network of um, friends and family who, mm. who say, like, all right, that's enough work. Like, <laughs> you know, go, go home, get some rest, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, as young people, yeah, like I said, there's so much pressure put on, on us at this stage of life. Mm -hmm. And we just got to remember to always be grateful uh, yeah. for the people who, who love us and for the things we have sure. at the moment and not to be worried about what happens tomorrow. 
because uh, it all work out in the end. Right, true. Yeah. Well, I will speak up on behalf of, uh, of, of you and all the other representatives and elected officials. Uh, and I say this sometimes to my friends when they start going off, you know, on the, on the politicians and stuff. And I say, now, wait a second. How many of you would like to be able to have to re-earn your job every two years? Mm -hmm. But you know when you walk <laughs> in the door today in two years, you've got to go out and earn it again. You yeah. know, and there's no guarantee you're going to yeah. get it. And how many of you want to know that in 12 years, you're done? You know, you got to go find That's something it. else entirely different to do. And, 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 and all this time that you're spending now, you know, doing public service, mm -hmm. well, I mean, that's not going to necessarily transfer into something down the road mm -hmm. necessarily. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's a real uh, co complicated uh, uh, commitment, you know, that you make, yeah. you mm -hmm. make to the process. And I mean, that's, that's probably why I am not a fan of term <laughs> limits. <laughs> no. I just don't believe in them. Right. I believe you already have them. The election's yeah, a term limit. One exactly. at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One term at a time. Yeah. And, uh, mm -hmm. and that's all you really guaranteed you can kind of rest for a few months before you have to start the next it's election constant. cycle you know it's, it's constant, constant. Uh -huh. but uh, <laughs> most people don't want to have that kind of a lifestyle right. and mm -hmm. if they had to experience mm -hmm. what you go through you know on a daily basis they might have a little bit different sense of reality about that <laughs> so. well I was raised by a single parent who did it and she did it with a less salary than I have now mm -hmm. and I don't know how <laughs> she did it. I don't know how she did it but yeah showing people the day in the life of what we have to do or what we have to travel and do um, but also um, you mentioned something about really letting people see and really translating into um, what's next. And that's what Millennial Action Project helps us with too. They bring in different speakers or we have different trainings, professional development trainings that help us say, hey, we only have a certain amount of time to be here, but how do we make this mutually beneficial? Mm -hmm. How do we make this work for our lives after this too? How do we go utilize our expertise? Not everyone talks about life after the legislature. And as much as we're asking young people to run and to come into this lifestyle, we have to, one, prepare them for, but then two, prepare them for after it. I tell people we live in a warped universe this is not always re we live in an alternate reality we're in the metaverse up here the capital verse and it is a unique period of time of what you get to do and how it works and how you live your lifestyle and what that looks like with a family or without a family and so how do you translate back into the real world and back into a job or back in school or whatever you want to do to be able to use your gifts, but to also be able to have a job that provides the financial stability for a life after this as well. Telling people that we don't get paid all of the money that they think we get paid. We have a salary that is determined by someone else. And we also have to make that work in our lives, but then also we have to make sure we are qualified enough to go be judged or to go interview and work for someone else once we leave this position. And so capitalizing on that, because you know, the moment 11.59 p.m. on your last day of session is it, your has-been at that time. And some people still stay relevant and they're popular and they run for other things, but really as young people, how do we say, how do you pivot mm -hmm. in your career right. and do something different? And we have to, as we're learning that and really going through it, living through it right now, we will be better equipped to share that to the people that come behind us too. Well, I kind of meant it when I, uh, when I opened the uh, podcast by saying two rising stars. Uh, <laughs> I've, uh, I, you know, I've watched your uh, career over the last few years and been impressed by all that you, are, you two are doing. 
and uh, even more so impressed by realizing that you're making a real concerted effort to try and change the nature of the discourse so that it is a little bit more collegial and 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 uh, more respectful and I think when we when we do that we start really finding we we can approach very complicated complex mm -hmm. complicated and maybe almost chronic issues that uh, that we have to keep working on and every and, and because uh, our, our lives are dynamic they're always changing as, as our generations shift and change and our, uh, our, our, our the world in which we live shifts and changes we never solve anything permanently no. and so there's always going to be something new coming around that we're going to have to kind of kind of deal with and knowing we can have these kind of conversations gives us the hope you know that we will will be able to uh, create the communities that we want to live in and the state we want to live in and, and so forth well, listen, I, I could uh, just chat with you all forever. I mean, I just really have enjoy your perspective and hearing uh, kind of how it is behind the scenes a little bit. And I know we'll probably have another conversation down the road somewhere, yes, yes. E either individually or together, or with others who are doing the simpler kind of thing mm -hmm. that you're doing. But I do want to congratulate you on a successful couple of years, I mean, a couple of terms, actually, and uh, wish you the very best as you continue to evolve and grow yourself because I know you're learning as you go, mm -hmm. and we're always learning as we go, uh, and just see what's next. You know, I, I know that I'm pretty sure you're going to have uh, serve your full allotted terms that uh, that you're that you're uh, given by law. And who knows? You know, maybe I'm talking to, to representatives, U.S. representatives, maybe a <laughs> senator in the group. I mean, I said this earlier about you, AJ, and. And, uh, and, I, oh, and, I, and, and I do want to uh, encourage people to, 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 to really consider the, the work and life of our legislators and all of the people that represent us in whatever level, whether it's the school board yeah. or the, uh, the city council or a county commissioner, these people work hard and their staff works hard. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're, they're doing their very, very best to offer a quality of life in whatever venue or area of, of influence that they that they have so it's a lot more than meets the eye there and i want you to know i appreciate your hard work and your resolve and desire to want to do this job and i wish you the very very best down the road thank, thank you, you Carl. And, appreciate that. and thank you for letting me come and spend a little bit of time with you today on this episode of the spirit of leading and uh, like i say i want to wish you the best down the road and i know you're making a positive influence with other legislators who are going to follow your lead and your example and uh, make uh, make our state government you know much much better just because of the influence that you have with them so thanks again i really appreciate it Absolutely. we'll see you we'll see you soon again well that's it for this installment of the spirit of leading podcast and i want to thank you for listening and i want to thank representative aj pittman and representative daniel pay for their time today to talk about their work with the uh, with the uh, future caucus and uh, trying to heal some of the political divides that we have in our uh, political discourse and show by example and uh, that it can be uh, done better, that we can have a, a real positive and, and, uh, and, and productive political discourse in our state uh, at every level of government in our state. Well, like I say, I want to thank you for listening to this installment of The Spirit of Leading and uh, I encourage you to to share this podcast with uh, other people that uh, may be interested in these kind of topics. I also encourage you to recognize and to appreciate just anyone 
who demonstrates this spirit of leading, whether they're at work or somewhere else in your community. When you join the Empowered, you'll get a notification of my latest podcast or the latest post in my weekly Empowering Thoughts series. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And until next time, I urge you to live empowered each and every day. Unleash your creative energy by encouraging the spirit, enlivening the heart, enlightening the mind, and enlarging the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters.